the truth and he's the living word then the bible is the truth because it's the written word but the reason we don't like it is because when you read the bible the truth of who god is and the way the world works confronts our lack of truth and our inability to follow the truth and we're like well i don't really want to have to deal with that but that's the only way growth happens my friends i always tell people if you read the bible if you find a god who agrees with everything that you are and do then you're not following the real god Pastor Daniel's message today is one of challenging encouragement. In it, he asks us to take a look at how we are sharing the message of the gospel and how we are reflecting the whole of Jesus to the world. If we're only taking one aspect of his life, we're not representing him well. We need to speak his truth to everyone, but in a way that shows his love as well. We also need to not let our attempts to love diminish the truth. Now, here's Daniel in 2 John with part two of his message, Truth and Love. Over and over and over again in these verses, we get this idea of truth coming up. In verse one, love in truth, know the truth. Verse two, abides in truth. Verse three, in truth and love. Verse four, walking in truth. We need to be true. We need to be the truth. Now, right as I say that, and I say that in this generation, right away, some people in their heart pops up like, what? I call Pontius Pilate disease. What is truth? That's a common thing that people say today. What is the truth? Now, I want to talk about that for a second. I want to give you a brief understanding of worldviews and how we got to a place. Because in some ways, if you're one of those people who I say this, you need to be true, What you need to realize is, first and foremost, Jesus is the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So everything that is true and right about the world is embodied in Jesus. No, but some of you are saying, no, 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 no. What is truth? Who are you to say that it's the truth? Now, if you have that opinion, and I know this opinion really well because I kind of grew up to have that opinion. This is what I want to let you know, is that you having that opinion, you are just a sheep following the way that the world works right now. That is not like a deep thought. That is the, you are just a zombie traveling down with the culture. Yeah, that's kind of cold, isn't it, that I said it that way? But it's true. And I'll explain to you why. I can give you an understanding of worldview in two minutes. It's not going to be nuanced, and you can write a million pages on it, you know. But if you look at the way culture progresses... Scholars talk about a time called modernity. And modernity began around the time of the Renaissance and continued all the way on into the Industrial Revolution and the Scientific Revolution. And the idea of modernity, as opposed to pre-modernity before that time, was that we can observe and map out everything in the universe. Right? It's like, it's like because of human intelligence and advances in science. We can tell you everything about everything. And part of the ideas of modernity is you won't need God because we'll be able to explain everything for you. And so you end up having all sorts of mapping out. Science exploded, sociology, and all the ologies, right? Of course, in theology, the study of God 
and the Bible, you end up with systematic theology, where this is what you need to know about this and this, and everything is mapped out for you in a perfect little map. And that went on, and that still goes on. There's people here today, who, people that we know, who say, no, 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 listen, we don't need God because science will explain everything to us. What's funny is that most scientists don't even believe that. Because any scientist will tell you that anything that they can prove, they can only prove to 99.9% certainty. They know that a good scientist will tell you, we can explore all the, var- all the variables. We will never know with 100% certainty. That is not even logical. See, as Christians, we call it, well, you have faith. They say, no, 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 it's statistical significance. Because they can't say it's faith. So it's statistical significance. This is, it doesn't work that way. Right? But then what happens is, is you go through this whole thing, right? Where we're going to map out everything. And then all of a sudden, somebody had the bright idea. So it's great that we can map out everything. We'll know everything about everything, except for the fact that the observer has bias. ha, <laughs> ha. Like, I've been doing this with my son Obadiah. My son Obadiah is interested in the news now. He's 11. He's starting to kind of understand that there's a big world out there. And I've talked to him a lot about, well, you realize that all news sources are biased. They all are. They come from an angle, and they want to shape what they're seeing through an angle. And it's true, right? You can read about the same thing in five news sources, and you get five different angles. But it was the same thing that happened. But five different groups of people interpret it through whatever grid they hold, Right? And so someone had the bright idea, like, oh, so this whole, like, we can map out everything, we'll give you all the facts about everything, but what about your biases and what you wanted to say? And then that created a worldview that's called postmodernism. Because they didn't know what to say after modernism. Well, just what comes after modernism, it's postmodernism. And the whole thing about postmodernism is that we can't know the truth because everybody gives biased information. Right? So if you're the kind of person who says, well, what is truth, Fusco? And who are you to say that that's the truth? That is a classic postmodern position, which is the default worldview of people who live in the West, whether in Europe or in the United States. So when you have that view, you were socialized into that view. So that's, I call it, what is truth? And, it, and that's given birth to a new version, which is kind of a little bit more true, where now someone says, well, what is truth? People say, well, that's my truth. As if there are many truths that you can just pull up to the buffet of ideas. You can just say, well, I just want a couple of this and this. You know, I'll eat. I don't really like that. I'll put the plate back. I'll give you another one. And there's a lot of us who are like that. Well, hey, that's your truth. And your truth is opposed to, listen, if your truth and my truth are diametrically opposed, then one is the truth and one isn't. Or maybe they're both wrong. You know, but if they're diametrically, they can't both be right. And so when I tell you that Jesus is the truth, the reason I am completely confident and comfortable to tell you that Jesus is the truth is because if he is the creator and sustainer of all things, if he's lived from eternity past, and if he became a man a number of thousand years ago and lived the perfect life, a life that always pleases his father, and if he died and he rose again, then I think that guy pretty much knows what he's talking about at that point. And so even though you may not like the truth of what Jesus says, He's the truth, just the same. And I think that's really the issue. See, people struggle with when someone says Jesus is the truth and you need to follow him because when truth confronts a life that is actually lived outside of truth, then it becomes confrontational, doesn't it? And people don't like confrontation. Like, let me give you a great example. I remember a number of years ago, I took one of my many endeavors into starting to work out. I had many endeavors in this, you know? And I had a friend who was a personal trainer, 
right? So he's like, man, Fusco, I'll work you out, man. We'll get you going, you know? So I was like, okay, yeah, good. You know, and so we go over there and we start working out a little bit. I do a couple sets. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm tired, you know? And he was just like, no, you're not done yet. We, like, we haven't even just gotten started. I'm like, no, 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 I'm done. You know, he's like, no, 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 no. You got to keep going. I'm like, bro, I'm paying you. I'm saying we're done right now, <laughs> you know? Now, you know the beauty of that is? The only way you get anywhere is if you actually work a little harder than you want to work normally. But at that moment, I'm like, well, I'm fit. Like, I'm like, I did five bench presses. Like, I'm tired now, you know? Talk about Jesus or something, you know? But he was right. But the problem for me at that moment is that the truth of how to get in shape was confrontational to my lazy way of life. I didn't want to end up like having like walk around like, like Pastor Robbie, our youth pastor, just the other day. He's been working. I'm so proud of Pastor Robbie. He's got to work out. He's got to keep up with these teenagers, you know. But he was like kind of, you know, the walk when someone worked out a little too hard. And I just want to like grab him and squeeze him, you know what I mean? Like, because I know he's like hurt and he's like, you know. See, I didn't want that, but it's the only way to grow. There has to be a confrontation for growth to happen. And the reason people don't like, and some of you are like, I don't like this. Why does Jesus have to be the truth? And by extension, if Jesus is the truth and he's the living word, then the Bible is the truth because it's the written word. But the reason we don't like it is because when you read the Bible, the truth of who God is and the way the world works confronts our lack of truth and our inability to follow the truth. And we're like, well, I don't really want to have to deal with that. But that's the only way growth happens, my friends. I always tell people, if you read the Bible... If you find a God who agrees with everything that you are and do, then you're not following the real God. Because then you're perfected. You already have it all dialed in. See, when you read the Bible, it should confront you. Because the truth sometimes is confrontational and it has to be. And so I say all this because we need to be true. See, the elder, right, he's writing to this elect lady and your children whom he loves in truth. They're married together. This reminds me, of course, of Ephesians 4, verse 15, that we should speak the truth in love. These two things go together. He loves a select lady in truth. They go together. And he says, not only I, but also all those who have known the truth. He's like, not only do I love you in truth, but all the people who know the truth, who is Jesus, they love you too. And that's beautiful. Because the people of God are meant to be Truth and love together walking through the world. Why? Because love and truth originate in God, and like him, they endure without changing. The truth doesn't change given the mores or the beliefs of a culture. The truth always transcends culture. I always tell people, it doesn't matter what our culture thinks. All that matters is what God knows to be true. And that's a challenge, but I'm actually encouraging you to follow Jesus and not just be a zombie following the world that we live in. Like, it's the most rebellious, countercultural thing to follow Jesus in this generation. And I'm encouraging you to do that. Don't just be a sheep heading to slaughter. But you have to be saying, I'm willing to swim against the stream. And as I always say, swimming upstream is hard, but it is where the magic happens. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. I love verse three. This is a common, this is a common greeting in your Bibles, but the apostle John turns it into a promise. 
grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I love it. It's a promise. It will be with you. And that's the joy that we have as the children of God. That God's grace and his mercy, it, it is with us right now in truth and love, all because of Jesus. Now, in verse 4, he says, I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we receive commandment from the Father. This is beautiful. John, this elderly man, is saying, look, I rejoice greatly that some of your kids are walking in truth. Now, listen, we need to make sure that as parents and as grandparents and as neighbors and as loved ones, that we are helping kids to walk in the truth. And I think this is important because I've never once in my entire pastoral ministry, which is about 17 years I've been in the pastoral ministry, I've never one time had a parent come up to me crying and said, Pastor, pray for me. My kids love Jesus. They don't abuse drugs. They don't abuse alcohol. They don't have, you know, sexually transmitted. They serve people. And it's so heartbreaking. I've never heard that. Not one time. I've never once said, they are just so into worshiping Jesus. It's hard. No. I did have a couple times where a parent came because God raised up their kids and their kids went out of the mission field and they went into hard soils and they said, Pastor Daniel, like they're going into hard area and they're going to be so far away and they're taking my grandkids, I'm going to kill them. But, but I love that Jesus is working in their lives. See, but I have met a million parents who cried on my shoulder because their kids aren't walking in the truth. And when they're not walking in the truth, there's a whole plethora of things that they're involved in that's breaking their heart. And we need to not bow down to our culture. See, our culture says, don't you, you shouldn't teach your kids religion. I had a family member tell this to me recently. I mean, like, how dare you teach your kids about Jesus? I'm like, how dare me? I'm like, first off, they're my kids. Second off, you're just mad because you want me to teach them your religion, which is very ironic. See, for the, someone says, you shouldn't teach your kids a religion. The reason they say this is because they don't follow a religion, so they don't want competition for their view, and they already got their view into the schools. Like, all parenting is brainwashing, hopefully. <laughs> you know? Like, you teach your kids all this stuff. Like, I always tell little Annabelle, I'm like, Annabelle, don't stick anything up your nose. Stuff comes out your nose, nothing goes up your nose. You know? Because, I, because Annabelle, she's a little ham. She'll like take like something, she'll stick it in her nose. Like, and she looks super cute. I take pictures. It's going to be great. Some boy's going to come try and date her. I'm like, yeah, look at this. Look at this. <laughs> look at this one. <laughs> Go away before I kill you, you know? But it's like, that's my job as a parent. You know what I mean? But our culture says, no, no, no. You shouldn't do that. No, we should do that. See, because... We want our kids to walk in the truth. And when someone follows Jesus, the truths of their lives are in line with the purposes and plans that God created somebody for. And so make sure that we are not ashamed to teach our kids the truth and to model that truth. And you parents know this, modeling that truth for your kids is the greatest teacher. I meet more young people, they walk away from Jesus because the testimony of their parents' mouth and the actual way that they lived were so different that they see the hypocrisy and they're like, well, I just don't want to follow you. If that's what, I'm like, well, hold on, listen. Your parents are sinners saved by grace. You know what I mean? They got it wrong. But don't throw out Jesus because your parents got it wrong. But I love this because John's like, I'm rejoicing for you because your kids are walking in truth. Now, I want to speak for one quick second to those of you who are here 
And the reason you're here is because your parents drug you to church today. Like the only reason you're here is because you know if you didn't come, they weren't going to feed you breakfast. Right? Now listen, just for one second. Your parents did that because they love you. That's why they did that. Your parents love you enough to say, while you're living in my house, I want you to come to church with me. And they do that is because they love you and God loves you. And they want to make sure you know that. And so, so listen, I realize that when you, I don't expect you to grab hold of that right now. I remember, you know, my parents would say, well, one day you're going to realize how much we love you. I'm like, yeah, right. And I was wrong. <laughs> you got to get older, you learn things. And you're like, wow. So I'm not asking you to, uh, to uh, subscribe to that right now because might, it might be a big step of faith for you. But the reason they do this is because they love you and they want to see you walk in truth. And they want to see you be able to see yourself the way God sees you. Because if you don't, you're only going to see yourself the way the world sees you, which is all warped. It's, it's, it's not through glasses that see clearly. The world's lens for your life is actually something that distorts who you are. But the way God sees you, it's perfect 2020 vision of who you really are. And your parents want that for you. So, so instead of getting mad at them for it, just thank them for the Cheerios and the Fruit Loops. And just keep coming. And we get it. Make sense? And was like, I can't say amen. My mom's sitting next to me. Anyway, moving on. So we need to be true. We need to be true. Now, look what it says in verse 5. It says, and now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should also walk in it. My friends, the truth is love. The truth is is love. Look at what he says. He says, and now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have from the beginning, that we love one another. This is so important, my friends, because love offers the clearest test to the truthfulness of your testimony. Your, the clearest benchmark of your testimony that you are a follower of Jesus is your ability to love another person. This is so important. That's why I say the truth is love. Because the Apostle John said in 1 John 4, 21, and this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. Jesus said, by this, the world will know you are my disciples, by the love that you have one for another. But this is where the rub comes in. Because for many of us, we know the truth, we believe in Jesus, and over time, we have allowed Satan to distract us by saying, because you know the truth, the truth is what grounds you. No, no, the greatest test of the truthfulness of your belief in Jesus is your ability to love someone, especially someone you don't agree with especially someone who there's water under the bridge, especially with people who you find it challenging. Your ability to love them, despite your disagreements with them, is the truest benchmark of your testimony. Now, I realize that's a tough one, isn't it? But you know why this is true? And deep down in your heart, you know it's true. Why? Because God loved you even though you get stuff wrong. God was able to proactively and preemptively love each one of us with all the stuff that we have going on. And he knew everything. He had full disclosure on our, your life and my life. And he loved us still. He loved us even despite us. That is the finished work of Jesus. 
And because that is the truth of who Jesus is, the good news, then that is why love is the real benchmark for our testimony, because now God's love, despite our failings, is transforming us that we do the same thing. And I think the greatest hindrance to the cause of Jesus in this generation is the fact that people say they believe in Jesus, they don't love other people. People say they believe in Jesus and they don't love other people because someone disagrees socially or morally or politically or even theologically. Instead of loving them, we get angry and we call it righteous indignation. I'm here to tell you that is not righteous anything. I realize this is challenging. And you guys who've been here, you know me well enough to know I'm not preaching down on anybody. Like I'm learning this too. Because something goes on and like, well, serves them right. And I was like, no, 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 Daniel. I get checked by the spirit. I'm like, oh. Or I'll say something like that out loud and Lynn will look at me, you know? And I'll be like, oh, no. So I realize that this is hard. But as we said earlier, growing is hard sometimes. And I'm grateful that the spirit of God doesn't let me off the hook so easily by saying, well, you're the pastor of Crossroads. You got a free pass. Uh-uh. No. No. See, because love is the litmus test for the testimony that I have in Christ. So listen, who are you struggling to love right now? Who with the situations that you see with the world, the way that it is, with all the junk that's going on, who are you struggling to love? Let's hear the transformed guy with anger management problems who says, I write a new commandment to you, but that which we have from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. See, now I've given you the truth, the principle that's in the word, and now walk in obedience to that. Don't just think, yep, we've got to love everybody. No, no, put legs up. Walk that business out inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's what God wants. See, he tells us this truth, and we see it wrapped in the good news of Jesus Christ. He says, now I want you to go put feet on it. So, brothers and sisters, I want you to put feet on that. We want to obediently follow the Lord. I love this. That as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. See, this isn't a new teaching. This is as old as humanity. But walk in it now. Put feet on it. Put feet on that faith and say, Lord, I'm going to step out and love somebody who's challenging to love, who I really don't love, but Lord, you love them. And it's not about how I feel. It's about who you are and your kingdom coming in and through my life and in my world. So, brothers and sisters, put feet on that stuff. Walk it out because the truth is love. But now it's important because as we move on in verses 7 to 11, we learn something that's very important that we need to protect the truth. We need to protect the truth. Because look at what it says. Verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess that Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose the things that we have worked for, but that you may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. And if anyone, verse 10, comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds." We have to protect the truth. Why? Because deception is real. Jesus is real. 
How do we love while still speaking the truth? And how do we share the truth while still striving to love those who are different than us? In today's message, Pastor Daniel did his best to teach us Jesus' way of marrying these two parts of sharing the gospel. Jesus came to declare truth, no matter how difficult it was. But he also did it in a way that showed compassion and love to everyone, no matter who they were. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. God has been doing some amazing things at Crossroads. One of the things that I'm the most stoked about is our new campuses. We launched a brand new campus in Southwest Portland. So if you're in the area, I'd love to invite you to come and join us for worship Sundays at 10 a.m. Our online campus is reaching the entire world. And we'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 9, 11, or 1 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. at CrossroadsLive.tv. Now here's Josh with what's coming up on our next episode of Jesus is Real Radio. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel warns us about people who claim to be all about Christ's values, but don't line up with his truth as laid out in the Bible. Ministries like these ask for involvement, and in the spirit of loving everyone, we might be tempted to ignore their problems. These people need to be avoided. It may seem harsh, but we can't associate Jesus with false teaching. Jesus was, is, and always will be truth. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series, Little is the New Big. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.